Welcome to this topical life. Real conversation, real exploration, real life stories. A discussion about life, cause life ain't a vacation. And now, here's your host, Tiffany Murphy. Okay, and welcome to this topical life. Today we have the most brightest light, I swear. Um, I just met her, her name is Dawn Emerson. And um, this is the first time for me, more so to be in a live situation. Um, Dawn has been live before, like on what, YouTube? And some other things. Yeah, But um, mostly for the business. Mostly for a business. Yeah. But how I was introduced to Dawn was basically, um, my mother-in-law said, hey, I know this girl, you should talk to her. We ended up talking on the phone. And then what was so cool was, um, and we set this whole thing up. We hadn't met, but we were at church together and um, we were sitting kind of far apart, but I, I was like, is that her? Is that Dawn? Is that who, I, you know, it's so in that awkward time of church where there's like, oh, take 20 seconds to say hi to your neighbor. You know, <laughs> that's like, that's like the most painful part of church for me, honestly. <laughs> but I was like so anxious to ask you. I was like, okay, that's gotta be her. So we were like, Dawn, Tiffany, we just Yay. like had a moment. Hugs. And, um, so yeah, I'm just so like, I, you know, we've just briefly talked and, um, I kind of know sort of her story, but we are just going to dig in like, like you're a part of this conversation and we don't know where it's going to go. And that's just the, this just letting it flow. That's, so that's awesome. I'm, organic. I'm organic. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like so. the non-GMO lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, so, okay, Dawn, I know you have a daughter. Yep. And you have a grandson. Yep. That live with me. That live with you. Yep. And are you, where are you from? Like, how? where did you grow up and all Holy that? Holy smokes. Wow. Let's just jump into it. No. Okay. Yeah. Let's oh. just dig. <laughs> dig right in. I am a Montana girl. Okay. I've lived here um, up until I was about five or six years old. My mom was 15 when she had me, so she got involved, you know, with different gentlemen. So um, I... I think her first husband was in the Navy, her second in the Air Force. So I've lived all over the place. And um, I always keep coming back home to Montana, though. That's where I love. That's where I feel the best. And so it seems like any time I get released into the world, it's back to Montana. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this is this is home. This is home. Yeah. But you actually technically just moved back. Like from Tennessee. From Tennessee, yeah. like, months ago. Like yeah, November. Just, okay, yeah, so yeah. not even two, yeah, not even a year ago, so. Yeah, my whole world just flipped upside down out of the blue, and I was like, yeah. okay, now what? You know, just coming out of a 23-year-long marriage, and it was like, okay, what, what do you do? And it was like, you know, my heart just said, go home. And so in November, uh, my daughter jumped in her car with my grandson behind me and I loaded up the horse trailer grabbed the three horses and off we came and landed in my favorite place in Montana right here in Flathead Lake and I've uh, been trying to survive everything and relearning about myself and just kind of coming through the trauma of not having that person that you trusted so much and especially somebody that would lead you to Christ and realizing that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that your life is perfect and doesn't mean that, you know, you think that your marriage is, you know, invincible. It's undestructible because it, it should be. It should be, you know, God, you, your husband, the third strand that's not easily broken. And unfortunately, um, my husband years back, um, very hidden for a long time, got into pornography and um, it just does something to their brain that makes you very undesirable to them because you're not that picture perfect, you know, young thing that they're staring at. And he started to avoid me and started to avoid me. And there was actually even um, a four year period where there was absolutely no intimacy at all. And um, I kind of was like, man, you know, if this is how this is going to be, do we really need to be together? Because my self-esteem was shot. Because you're in your 25th 
wait, uh, 20th. It was going to be our 20th anniversary. At 20th anniversary, you were like, okay, yeah, what's up here? That kind of was the roadblock of just crossing what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked to him and said, I was like, hey, if we're, if this is the way it's going to be and we're going to celebrate our 20th anniversary, I, let's not fool each other. You know, let's just call this thing quits. And, um, then it was like the cycle was broke and, you know, things started to get better. We were doing marriage counseling and it seemed like we were on the right road, but it's always like he was searching for something else. And, um, it was just one thing after the other, either it was football or pornography or, you know, now wanting to go off and do something different because just trying to fill that void, whatever it is, you know, and, um, once he had left and went to another state thinking that we were going to work everything out and everything would be fine we realized that you know we're not we're not the couple that we thought we were I guess and I realized that I'd been in a super bad unhealthy relationship for a really long time and one of his biggest fears was me becoming a a big girl becoming you know overweight and things like that because he just detested that and I think that was part of his reason for pulling away and searching for other things too because the more he avoided me and the more he pushed me away the bigger I seemed to get you know so exactly what he didn't want to have happen got pushed on to me because of you know how I was feeling about myself you know undesirable not pretty you know just little comments about my weight here or there and it just you know stress um, I had an accident on, on one of my horses and it just seemed like I went from 155 to like 195 in like, you know, a matter of a year. And it was like, then it just got to where he was just like, no, we're, I'm, I don't want this, you know? So, so he, like, wow. his, so he was like completely about physical, like what was your emotional, like did the physical become emotional like he just sounds like he just based everything on physical well that's what's so strange though is because we had such a good connection when if it ever involved god we had such a good connection like you'd be able to talk about scriptures be able to pray together believe for things um anything that was in that that um that involved Christ was so strong and that's what kept us together through all the other stuff that we faced because we faced some pretty big things together that were very hard but we got through them um yeah I mean it wasn't just physical which was so strange but yet I think if if you read about like what pornography does it absolutely will turn a man on his wife or or vice versa I mean it doesn't it's it doesn't you know um what's the word I'm looking for uh, what? Wait, what? <laughs> you know, it doesn't discriminate. You know, right, so it right, could be right. it could be a woman that's in it, or it could be mm-hmm. a guy that's in it, or whatever. Right. But it, it does. It, it like it unwires your brain for your mate, and it 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 makes connections with these people that they don't know, and it really disconnects marriages. I mean, it will destroy a marriage. It's it's as much as having an affair. Um, if not even more so, because usually it's happening over and over and over. It just, that dopamine in your brain just gets released every single time. You know, am I going to get caught? Do they know? You know, and it's, it just feeds them and it just turns into a monster and it, it it is what it is, you know? So the thing too, about this whole pornography thing is that it's like, it could have started out this, but it, it never just stays a little exactly that's the problem it's like that's the first little step it's like oh well just a little bit and then oh well just you know it's just always like this slow process yeah and that's kind of what you're saying yeah more or less that it's just it blew up yeah eventually it it got out of the water Oh, yeah. And it was so wild because it would have been around 2005, his computer crashed. And at that time, I mean, well, still, he needs his computer to work because of his profession. And um, I had taken his computer to a place to have it repaired. And when I went to pick it up, the gentleman there had told me, he was like, I have never, in doing this for whatever it was, 15 years, he's like, I have never seen a computer so full of pornography in all of my life. And I busted on the guy 
guy. And I'm like, you don't know who you're talking about. My husband is a good Christian man. He would never do that, you know. And I stood up for him, and I defended him, and I told that guy he was crazy. And I was like, I don't know what trying to, you know, scam you're trying to pull, you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then, so then, what did you do? Like, you went home, and then what? I told him. I went home, and he goes, oh, well, it might have been, you know, from opening up a football app or, you know, when you download uh, things for my job, you know, because I don't really want to say, you know, what he is, but, right. you know, he, he had to depend on other things, and I was kind of like, oh, gosh, you know. I was like, no, he would never do this. You don't know my husband. He's a good Christian man. He would never. But unfortunately, there are a lot of good Christian men that get tied into this junk, you know. And it's not a victimless crime. I'm sorry. Because when I found it, he was into it. Um, I myself. But then how did you catch him? Like, how did he he admit it? Oh, gosh. Uh, How did it come? How the process? Um... I started getting that gut feeling. My gut was just telling me that something wasn't right. And I think the first time that I really kind of knew that might be it is I think I went on to his history on his computer just to kind of see where it was at. And that's when I found like searches for old high school girlfriends and, you know, things like that where I was like, okay, why, why this? And I called him out on it, you know, and of course there was a good argument out of that. Um, and then he was like, oh, I'm so stupid. I'd never do that. You know, I, I don't know what I was looking for. I'm so sorry. And of course, you know, kiss and make up and, you know, let it slide for a while. And then I think it was when we were going to marriage counseling and this was in the middle of this four year span where there was just no affection, um, no physical, no kissing, no, 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 nothing, you know? And, um, when we started going to marriage counseling, that's when it came out. So he just blurted it out? Well, I think what it was is he was doing counseling and I was doing counseling. Then we do counseling together. And I believe that the counselor had told him, you got to come clean with her. You got to tell her what you're doing. And I think that's when it kind of came out. Okay. Yeah. So then that was during the four-year period. And then and then it just never pieced back together. No. It um, Once this this thing was broke right before our 20th anniversary once that kind of broke off it was like we were doing good but then the dry spells would come back and then they would then it would get better and then they'd come back and it was like the only thing we ever argued about was you know me saying I need attention and him saying do you just want me to fill my quota and I'm like it's not a quota I'm your wife you know this is something we need to have you know and I'm like unless things are broken you know and if they're broken let's get them fixed you know but yeah it was a matter of um that was that was the only thing we fought about it was so crazy and it's like okay now now I'm single (laughs) yeah and he's and he's gone like he's not in Montana nope he's in he's in another state and he's actually attending Bible college yeah Yeah, well yeah Yeah. I remember um, this is kind of a crazy story but um, at a Bible college actually I went to a Bible college too okay not dogging (laughs) Bible colleges at all no not at all but no they're good totally the good ones are good totally but um, speaking of like porn and stuff, um, <laughs> I worked at my best friend and I. We worked at a video store, and um, and so we worked at a video store, and we weren't old enough to go back in the X-rated room, you know that kind of yeah. thing. So yeah, so like legally, there was something where it was like this black curtain situation, you know, and all this, and um, so my best friend and I, we were like um, back in the movie store days. Um, you know, like how they have like the screens or like you could walk in like a blockbuster. It wasn't a blockbuster, but it was like you could walk in a blockbuster and then you have like a video screen here and a video screen here, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. And so, so my, so they had a drive through. Okay. Too. So you go, nice. you, you can drop your videos off at this drive through. So I was the drive through girl. So I took the video and it was this professor. No, it wasn't a professor. It was like a student who was like a professor that dropped it off. I knew who he was, but like, he was kind of like an adjunct kind of guy. Like, I didn't know, he wasn't like a full on professor, but he was like, whatever. So I always had this weird feeling, you know? And so he hands me like two videos and I go and I take the videos and I put them on the screens. Like you just pop them in. I was like, Hey, I told my friend and I was just like, 
what are these videos? You know, so I pop oh, them in no. the thing. It was freaking porn, like oh, all over no. the store. Oh, no. I was like, oh my gosh, like take it off, take it off, take it off. <laughs> so, but what was crazy was, is oh, the no. guy knew, I think he recognized me or something because he called the store. He called the store and was like, hey, I don't know who the girl was that was, you know, dropping off the videos, but I just want you to know that was, those were not mine and I was dropping them off and I'm thinking to myself, my friend was telling me and I was just like, dude, I, I felt bad for him. In the yeah. end, I just felt bad for him because obviously he was completely in shame and to yeah. actually look up the number to call and make sure that I was, I mean, it's just a lot of like. There's a lot of shame in it. Sure. You well, know? and that's what, I mean, that's what I was going to say with you, the distance between you guys. I mean, not only just like the physical, but like, do you think it was his shame that was keeping you, him from being physical? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Cause you I totally say, do. okay, so there's that. And then you were just like, or you said, because he was looking at all these images, you weren't fulfilling that eye candy for him. Yeah. Yeah. I just, um, one of the things that I read after, after I moved back to Montana and I was truly alone, um, I started looking into it because I knew that the marriage counselor we were talking to said that it will, you know, it burns images, it rewires their brain and, you know, things like that. And I'm just kind of, huh? And I, I looked up a lot of things from Carolyn Leaf. She's a professional neurologist, but she comes from it from the side of Christianity too. And I was listening to her about how it, it literally rewires the brain. And I'm like, what, you know, seriously. And yeah, I think that there's such a disconnect. And I think not only that, but like I said, his biggest fear was me, you know, and I I don't mean to offend and I'm not trying to tear myself down, but I think his biggest fear was me turning into a fat girl. And, you know, I mean, I'm just being real. His biggest fear. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because there'd be these comments along the way that I never caught on to until later. It's like, oh, if you just lose a little bit of weight here and if you just lose a little bit of weight here. And, you know, like I remember one time it was my birthday and my best friend wanted to buy me a cake for my birthday. And there was a bunch of us sitting around the table and she was talking, you know, she's so excited. Well, what kind of cake do you want? And he kind of looked at me and he was like, do you really think you need that? You know, and it was just kind of like, whoa. And my best friend, she was just like, oh, my gosh. And I said, but you didn't say anything. Why didn't you say something to him and not me in private? You should have called him out on it. That's what kind of friends I thought we were. But then again, you know, do you ever, you you know, when you get alone with your friend, you're like, I would, you know, I would have said something. I was like, you didn't, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, right. there were those kinds of things along the way, which, you know, when you're getting those kind of little digs, it kind of starts planting things sure. in the back of your head. Yeah. And then you start going, yeah, I'm not pretty. Yeah, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not well built. I'm, you know, gosh, yeah, I am. I am turning into a fat girl. And gosh, yeah, my, and then all of a sudden you just start devaluing yourself so much. And I think that's the biggest thing with my daughter and me right now is she was like, she gets so mad at me because she was like, mom, you, you are not this you are not that because I do catch myself saying things that I've heard about me and I think that's something that heard about you from him yeah from him or my mom or my stepdads or anything because I I grew up in a in seriously abusive lifestyle um the first time I was molested I was I think I was four um my earliest memory of it my um second stepdad used to videotape it when he would molest me um so yeah I mean there was there was a lot of trauma in my life, you know, growing up, there was a lot of sexual molestation and that was what was so wild for me. And even the marriage counselor said it usually, you know, that's not an me being okay with him, not paying attention to me was usually okay because of going through the things I went through. But you know, when God says that when we come to him, and when we say yes to him, old things die and all things become new. I knew it. I knew the minute that I said yes to Jesus that I was different. And people, it's so funny because people that know me from high school 
and even have anything to do with me now, they're like, yeah, what did you do with Dawn Ellis? Because this is so not her, you know? And I was like, yes, I know. Thank you, Jesus. It's proof he's alive and well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. You know, because I was the party girl in high school. I was the one that was out racing cars. I was, you know, I was, you know, my poor grandparents. (laughs) Yeah, so you lived with your grandparents then? Yep, they adopted me when I was 12 years old. Um, went from um, basically the Silicon Valley of California to Iowa. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I'd already done drugs. I'd already gotten drunk several times, you know. I mean, and I'm 12, and I've, you know, I've already experienced everything that, you know, most you of the people. That, you said the first time you ever smoked pot or I was drink. eight. You were eight years old when you first smoked pot. The very first time I smoked pot, I was eight years old, yeah. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, and the first time I was drunk, I probably would have been, gosh, I probably would have been 10, 11. Yeah. 10, 11. Isn't that crazy? I know. I look at well, my kids at my, my kids. grandkids yeah, and I'm like, like <gasps> they were imagine. doing what? Or, you know, you look at kids that, you, you know, that you see and you're like, gosh, you know. And that's why when I look at kids, I just start praying. I'm like, please, God, just protect them. Please just protect mm-hmm. them. Please just protect them. Because it's, it's scary. It, you know, and it terrifies me. That's why I think I like doing the horseback ministry so much. Because my heart is always towards the kids, especially teenagers. It's like, bring them on. The crazier, the better, you know? And it's like, because if God could take my world and turn it into what he did, you know, through the love of somebody that wasn't a relative, because my grandparents that raised me were my mom's second husband's parents. And they took me in. And the first thing my grandmother did was got me a horse. And that horse and the love that my grandmother had for me was what switched me. And I didn't say yes to Jesus till I was 27 years old. As a matter of fact, my husband um, that, you know, we started this conversation about, he's the one that led me to Christ. That's what I was wondering. Like his stuff, like that's what you had said in the very beginning. I was just like, oh, yeah. Okay. So that's a good part to have of, of like leaving. I mean, you got that part. Yeah. You got yourself in that. Yeah. Yeah. I got the light. You got the light. (laughs) You got the light. Got rid of the dark. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I have no idea what would have happened to me, you know, in, in my life without Christ because that's what it did. I mean, you're still in, I mean, yeah. When, you know, when we were talking just that short time, it was like, you were telling me about your past, but then it was like, Oh, and I'm going through this now and just the positivity and the, you know, you, you're, you're honest about the struggle and, and I want to deep dig more into that. Just like the struggle, um, because you've had it in the past and you're also handling it super well now. True. I wasn't, when I first got here, I was like a hot mess because I always saw... Because you say you love him. Oh, I do. I still love him. I love him so much. It's just crazy. I mean, everybody's like, well, if he were to ask you, let's work things out, what would you do? And I was like, right now, I would have to say, no, you keep going on the path you're going on because God's doing something in me right now that we can't do together. You need to go do whatever it is that God's calling you to do. But right now, I, I need to do what God's calling me to do, which is just realize how valuable I am. Because for the first time in my life, God's really gotten a hold of me. And he's just been like, you are precious to me. I love you. You don't understand. I created you for a purpose that you just, you're just not getting right now. And, and I do believe that some of the things I've allowed in my life have kept me from that purpose for such a long time. Absolutely. And now yeah. it's like, now I'm so hungry. And it's like, I go up to pastor and I'm like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. What can I do? Where can I go? Who, what, who, what, you know, where can I serve? You know, and I've got this and this and this idea. And he's just like, Don, yeah, breathe. You need to get through this stuff first and God's yeah. working it out in you and it won't, we'll, we'll all know when it's time. And I'm like, okay, but I want it now. And it's like, yeah. you know, when I first got here, I, I never saw my life without my husband, you know, and even in the hurt and even in the rejection and even in the hard times, I never saw my life without him. I saw me taking my last breath or him taking his last breath with a ring still on. 
with the commitment that we made. And so once I got here and I just kind of live very rural and, you know, especially when February hit and we had all that snow and I've got four or five feet of snow in my yard, um, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. It was like that alone time with God. And I just felt like he was so distant. Like he was so far away and it was like, well, gee whiz, you know, he's gone off and done what God, he believed that God called him to do. And I'm just where I wanted to be. And, you know, my business is not operating at a level it was and I'm lonely and I feel depressed and I was battling some serious dark stuff. You know, it was the, the thought in my head just constantly came back and it was like, you are a black cloud your life never goes well. It's always chaotic. Nobody wants you, you know, because I'd been dropped off several times by my mom, you know, come and get me, leave me, come and get me, leave me. And it was like, you know, I've just had nobody staying around in my life, you know, and it was just kind of like, gosh, you know, maybe I am the black cloud. Maybe things weren't going good in our life because of me and, you know, just all of this stuff. And I got to the point where I was just like, why be here? I'm like, God, why am I here? Can I just come home? You know, can't I just go to this promised land you speak of where there's no more pain, there's no more hurt, there's no more shame, there's no more, you know, me being this person. I just, I just want you. I just, I just want you. I just don't want to be here anymore. And I got to a point that I made myself so sick. I ended up in the hospital for two days. I had dropped like 22 pounds in a matter of, um, I don't know, it was like four or five weeks. I dropped 22 pounds and I, I did, I got sick and it got to the point where the only thing that I could eat was either oatmeal or cream of mushroom soup. Anything else just, it wouldn't stay down. And I was just like, gosh, what, what's going on? You know? And I, I kind of, I got to that point where, um, I, I quit praying I I quit reading my Bible. I completely closed out God with everything that I could. I didn't want anything to do with it anymore. I just thought this is just a sham, you know, and then God being God and being the loving God that he is, that love was just burning in my heart. And he, he did it the way only God can do where he was like, no, I love you. I'm not leaving. I am not going to be something in your life that leaves. I don't leave. And I was just like, are you sure? And I was like, nah, maybe this is just my active imagination because I'm so hungry for this love thing, you know. And then, um, sure enough, I walked into Fresh Life Church in Polson, Montana. And I'd been there once or twice before. Uh, I think it was about December, and this would have been about March. And one of the ladies in there walked straight up to me and she was like, you're back. And she laid on a hug on me and I, I kept it together for everything that I am. And then I, when I got out to the car, I cried and I cried and I was like, there you are. There you are, God. You didn't leave me. You're right there. And then I just kept going back because that's the one thing that you hear Pastor Levi say all the time. Just keep coming back. Just keep coming back. And so I just kept going back and joined small group and just had a bunch of people there just loving on me and encouraging me saying, yeah, you know, it's, it's hard and this, this does suck and, you know, but we're here and we're going to be with you till you get through this. And then it's like, wow, really? Okay. Okay. You know, and just, um, having God just start reviving my heart I mean it did it felt like my heart stopped it felt like my world stopped it just I I remember laying in bed just curled up in in a ball for hours and hours and just bawling till I couldn't cry no more I was so dry that tears wouldn't come out that you know it just I just wanted to give up and God would not let me (laughs) he's just like no no you're not gonna give up we're gonna keep going and Um, I remember I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Kalispell and I'm going to go to the live church and I'm going to go where Pastor Levi's really at, you know, and I went and one day I was driving into Kalispell and I really felt like I heard the Lord say to my heart, are you going for you or are you going for me? And I was like, uh, can, can it be, can it be both? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, but I have a purpose. 
And I'm like, well, I'm all about your purpose. And so I really felt like he said, turn around, go back to Polson. And so I'm like, okay. So I turned around on the road and I went back into Polson. And it was so funny because that first lady that came up to me and, and just really introduced herself and took me around and introduced me to other people in the church, you know, the horse people and, you know, things like that. Um, when I walked in that day, she walked up to me and she was just like, don't you know we need you here? Oh. And I was like, whoa. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I was like, that was cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm like, all right, God, what do you, what do you have here? You know, and yeah. it's just like, you know, I, I serve on the production team now and every day I'm there, I, you know, on the days that I serve on the production team, I'm there for the message twice that day, you know, and just, just the words and just what's going on and the messages and, and the people and being able to serve when we had uh, rock this city and going out in my community and seeing these people and, you know, um, not to jump back, but there was, yeah. it would have been about five or six years ago, I felt like God said to do a Easter Sunday message. And then it was so funny because I was invited by a horse camp to go up there and give the Easter Sunday sermon. So I did, and I had no idea what I was going to say. And I was trying to be like all these other people, you know, pastors that I read about, you know, putting out your message and it was just blank. And <laughs> that morning I was praying and the Lord, I opened up the Bible and it said, at that time, I will give you the words. And I was like, wow, God. Okay. And he was talking about Moses, you know, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'm going to give you what you need to say. So I got up in front of these horseback people and I just closed my eyes. I prayed and I was like, God, I'm yours. Use me, speak to these folks and whatever you need me to say, you know, I'm, I, I'm yours. It's just do it and when I opened up my eyes after I prayed the Lord absolutely changed my heart and it's never been the same from that time on and I look at these people and I I have this love in my heart even for my husband um yeah it hurts and it hurts a lot um especially with just you know so much stuff still going on in between there and stuff and but I have this love for him and it's not so much, I think, like a wife loves a husband, but I think it's more so like how Christ loves us. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what's, I think, honestly kept me together is love. And it's like, you know, you can still love when people are, are bitter. You can still love when people are hurtful. You can still love when people are just out there to annihilate you. And you, you do, you just, God altered my heart that day in a way I can't explain it. And it's like, I see people now in such a different light and I'm like, I love you and I love you. And yes, you difficult bugger. I love you too. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, It's amazing what you can put up with. I mean, I think usually if I'm in a rough spot, nine times out of 10, it's what's my problem, you yeah. know? <laughs> And that does help to recognize that <laughs> like makes life easier. It does make life easier, even though it feels harder, it makes yeah. life easier. Um, yeah. But so in, in your story, um, all of it's so intertwined. It's crazy. Like, are you still like your grandparents? Like I didn't realize, like, so you, are you like, how were they really involved in your life? Were they mm. believers or no? Okay. No, actually, my grandparents are atheists. Okay. Yeah, no, my grandfather believes in evolution to the nth degree. He's a scientist, and yeah. Um, I had... They sound like really special people. They're incredibly special. My yeah. grandmother, I lost her back in 2003. No, 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 that's way too soon. It would have been in like 2011, 2012, I think my grandmother had passed away from a, a very rare blood disorder. Um, that basically is almost like radiation poisoning is something like that. And um, to be honest, I hadn't been home in like 19 years. And most of it was shame because when I finally got away from them, I was hell-bent on destruction. You know, I had had two children. I was a single mom, gotten another abusive, bad relationship, and had another child. And, you know, my life was just 
a mess. And then um, my family stepped in and took my kids from me. And um, I just, you know, I I was hell-bent on destruction. And, um, like destruction, like self-sabotage oh, destruction yeah, kind? Yeah. Like you were out for yourself. Oh, yeah. Very selfish, very um, self-seeking, very um, just... I, I was a mess. I hadn't dealt with anything. I'd buried everything. Um, I, you know, I tried counseling, but that just seemed to make it worse, especially when they were putting me on all these drugs, trying to fix the problem. Um, and it just got worse, you know, and I got back into drinking. I got back into the drugs, um, you know, mostly pot. I really was kind of afraid of everything else, but I mean, I was just walking around like a zombie most of the time, either drunk or stoned. And, um, it wasn't until, you know, my aunt, my mom stepped in and, you know, removed my kids from me. My youngest went with his dad. And oh, that's, then... <laughs> that's my phone. Hold on a second. You're allowed. <laughs> You're not watching the podcast. <laughs> Did it bump you? Wait, I think it's on still. <laughs> it's still live. Okay. Hi, live. <laughs> Hi, live. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's really still recording. I do. I. You don't want to push anything, though, do you? I don't, because I don't know. Okay, so we'll just okay. kind of have to just keep going. Okay. We'll, just, we'll just go with it. We'll just go with it. Um, this is still recording, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, so you were self-destructive. Yep. Kids yep. taken away. Yep. So how old were you at that point? Um, at that point, I think I was about 25 or 26. 25 or 26. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. um, I basically... And you got to your grandparents when you were 12. Yeah, when okay, I was 12. So before that, it was... So I'm just thinking of the timeline of Dawn here. Sure. So you were super young. Your, yeah. uh, your mother had boyfriends and then you had a couple stepdads. They were yep. sexually abusing you. Yep. And it wasn't just my mom's husbands and boyfriends. It was pretty much anybody that came into the house because my mom was also herself into pornography because they used to actually film their things that they did. Um, there was orgies in my house when I was growing up. There was bikers in and out. There was drugs in and out of the house. And, you know, it was, was nothing for one of mom's friends to come tapping on the door and give me some drugs and let them in my room and, you know, then... Here, here it goes, you know? So that yeah. was like a lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why I detest pornography so much, you know, well, because it's not a victimless crime. It's just right. not. I'm sorry. I just do not believe for a minute that these people that are um, allowing this to be done are enjoying themselves. I, I just don't. There's hurt there. There's, there's abuse there. There's, you know, more than likely drugs there. I mean, it just, yeah, no, no. Yeah, that's just. I hate it crap <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just crap and yeah. so you grew up that way until the second step dad what did they know that the, 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 their parents your grandparents yeah. didn't know what was going on like they, how did I they never told them I never told them and part of the reason was is because basically you have him saying if anything happens to you you'll lose your little cozy house you'll lose your horse they'll take everything away and they won't love you anymore because I'm the golden boy and you know I'm Mr. Perfect and you know and they do they I mean even his own sister calls him the golden boy so yeah yeah and he's just actually big huge pervert you know yeah <laughs> he's not clearly. golden boy yeah no. no and they're they're trying to they're just and that's how it was until you were 12 yeah yeah actually um until I was 11 because my mom had met her third husband and um basically she left me there with him and took off with this guy and just kind of left me there and so me not wanting to have him there to you know me be full access to him 24 7 365 I just kept running away you know I was I was going to my friend's house and I was begging their parents to protect me and keep oh, me God. and one of my really good friends um her mom and dad actually wanted to adopt me and my mom said no um so then but your mom wasn't even there no she wasn't but when her and her um, boyfriend moved to in together, they were renting a room from this couple. 
Well, um, I don't know, about five or six months, they, I hadn't seen her or talked to her, and it was around Easter time, and she said, do you want to come up and visit us? And I'm kind of like, heck no, I don't. Well, she came down to the valley um, and was trying to find me, and I was at one of my friend's house, and I was bomb drunk out of my mind she was there and um was talking to me and I didn't remember anything I didn't remember her being there or anything and that's when she grabbed me and she took me up to the Silicon Valley where she was at and um I ended up living with the people that they were renting the room from and then they moved out and bought a house and I ended up kind of staying with those people um but that ended up being a nightmare within itself anyways um because the the man that no 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 hold on the man that um that um his name was Jam and he had a daughter that would have been my same age that was killed in a car wreck because him and his wife got into a fight and they ended up getting into a car wreck and both of them were killed. Well, the wife got killed and the, the daughter? wife and his daughter were oh killed. My God. So I was the same age as his daughter would have been would have been and also a redhead. So he started doing creepy tricky things like calling me her name and you know things like that and then his wife started to become very kind of abusive to me while he was gone and I was I was out um I that you know I found the right crowd that had the drugs I found the kit you know the ones that we could smoke pot at school and you know so I could start getting undone with them too and they were like we can't handle her she is crazy and yeah I was crazy because I was with crazy people you know and I was still dealing with crazy you know um and then I went back with my mom again and my mom and her fiance then um they were like look you either go award to the state uh you go home to Montana but your grandparents are too old they don't want you they can't handle you um your aunt doesn't want you or you can go to Iowa or we'll put you up with the state and I'm like well what's in Iowa and they were like well your grandma and grandpa there really want you and I remember well grandma has horses and you know I mean my first word was horse so yeah I've loved horses my whole life Mm -hmm. and I was like ooh, and I was like Iowa that might be good and you know that pull was so strong because I knew I didn't want to stay in California and I didn't want to live with my mom um and I was like okay let's try it because I figured oh worst case I can run from there too you know take the horse yeah right (laughs) right (laughs) off into the sunset jump on a horse and go into the yeah cornfield oh gosh you'll find a way yeah yeah so you get there yeah I got there and at this point you're 12 I'm 12, and I'm 12 already wearing makeup. Like an 18-year-old. Oh, beyond that, I mean, I mean, I'm thinking. I'm gonna tell on myself even more, but I think I was 15 or 16 and being served at bars. You know, I mean, really? they. Oh yeah, I mean, I was hanging out with you know 20-year-olds and you know older because I couldn't get along with anybody at my own age except for my friend Becky and my friend Jerome. That's all I had in my friends growing up in Iowa. I really. I didn't connect with anybody else. You know, I was undone. I was so different than anybody else. I mean, when I got to Iowa, I already had boobs. Nobody else did. You know, I was already wearing makeup. I'd already been drunk. I'd already smoked pot. You know, I was wearing, you know, California clothes. And, you know, I walk into this classroom and everybody's in blue Oxford shirts, Levi's jeans, and Nike shoes. And I'm like, uh, just oh my stepped into like Children movie. of the Corn, you know. Oh my God! <laughs> no offense, guys. You know I love you now. <laughs> but yeah, oh, I was wow. freaking out, and you know I got home to my grandma, and I was like, I did not realize that there was a dress code, and she was like, "There's not," and I was like, "So everybody dresses here, like." that on purpose yeah and she was like well we're a small town you know I was like is there only one clothing store you know (laughs) seriously oh my gosh yeah it was crazy so then starting then you're trying to get into there and then it's just still very much an outcast very pushed out you know because you're I I mean my graduating class I think there was 32 of us Mm. you know so I went from a class of a thousand kids to 32 so you know the way I spoke the way I carried myself the way I acted you know I mean I was 
instantly an outcast, you know, and sure. um, that's why, Sounds you know, like a I, movie. yeah, I hung out with the kids from the other town. I hung out with the college kids. I hung out with the older kids. That's, that's where I, you know, as soon as I got my license, I was at the college, you know, I was like, these are my friends, you know, right. Yeah. And they got the beer, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where's yeah. a will, there's a way. Yeah. Yeah. So then your grandparents, it got to be too much or no, no I stayed just... with them until I went through college. Um, there, um, there, uh, uh, um, there was a few things that were real hard with my grandparents. Um, um, they actually gave access to my stepdad one more time. Um, I was about, I think I was just about 16. No, I was 16 because I remember driving there. Um, and they wanted to go to Europe, so they sent me to go stay the summer with my stepdad. Oh, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. And nothing happened for a while until his wife went to go home to see her family. And out came the drugs, and then, you know, just... I mean, they, he was putting stuff into my drinks, even more so than just bringing out the pot and the booze. So this is their um, son. Yeah, this is their son. Did they not? And they, you they never, never knew. They never knew. When my grandma died, I never told her. I never, ever told her. I told his sister. Um, this is the probably, golden boy? Yeah, this golden boy. Um, I told his sister uh. and her husband when I went back to Iowa to say goodbye to my grandma when she passed away. I didn't tell my his sister face to face. I told her through Facebook. But I, I he my my uncle, he had asked me. He was like, I got a question for you and I was like, Yeah, what's that? And he was like, Did something happen? And I was like, Do you think I was that crazy because I was crazy? And he was like, I always kinda had a feeling and I was like, You are absolutely right and I just spilt the beans. Um, we were driving to take a truck to my grandfather's house and it was a couple hours in the truck and I told him everything. I told him, you know, how many times I told him how often I told him, you know, I mean, this was hundreds of times this man had access to me and there were times where it was horrific. I mean, it was full out rape, um, you know, and I mean, having sex with a child anyways is rape. I don't care. Molestation just sounds nicer. Um, but let's just be real. If you, you, you know, call it what it is. But, um, sure. there were times where it was violent, you know, and there were times where it was like, it was like the devil himself, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I told him, I was like, yeah. And I said, do me a favor because I knew they had this beautiful little granddaughter. And I said, do me a favor. Do not ever let this man have access to your granddaughter by himself, you know, old and fat or not. He, he is still what he is unless he's been to Christ, you know, unless he's gotten straight. And, you know, that was, that oh, really, okay. That was one person that, um, that was the hardest for me to talk to about God. But I really felt like God said, do you want to get rid of this? You want to not have this haunt your future anymore? Tell him who I am. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you want me to tell the devil himself who you are? And it was like, God just talked to my heart and he was like, tell him who I am and watch what this does for you. And I'm like, okay. So I found him on Facebook and I'm like, Hey, look, um, I want you to know that I found Jesus. He is alive and well. He is real. I know this because of how my heart's changed, how my mind's changed, how my life has changed since I've said yes to him. And I really don't want to see you go to hell because I have no idea what would happen to somebody like you in hell. And I was like, and hell's not meant for people. I was like, um, so please get straight with Jesus. I really want you to know that and I just want you to know and then I did tell him what you did to me hurt me it ruined my life in so many ways yeah. it's made me struggle in so many areas of my life by making bad choices trying to numb the pain everything else but I want you to know just as Jesus has forgiven me for everything that I've ever done I forgive you for everything you've ever done I release you from it and I was like but I don't want a relationship I was like, just so you know, I said, but I do want you to have that relationship with Jesus. And that was the last time I ever talked to him until I ran into him when my grandma died. And what did, did he say anything or like, uh, no, no, he was actually in the hospital when I went home to say goodbye to my grandmother. Thank you, God. <laughs> I forgive you, but I don't want to see you, yeah, you know? <laughs> seriously. I mean, yeah. so do you feel like by forgiving him, 
I mean, for God telling you that, oh, was that yeah. more of a release for you? Huge, what? huge. Like what, what yeah. is it about? I mean, I understand forgiveness, but it's like, like, what did it feel like for that? Um, it felt you, like, um, okay. So one, when, when you're a survivor of sexual abuse, you carry around this darkness that can't be described. I mean, you, you cannot describe how painful or hard this is. Anybody that's been through it, they, they know what I'm talking about. Um, and especially if it's on and on and on. But when I finally told him, I release you from it, and, and please search out Jesus, please say yes to him, please get straight with him, it was almost like all of that darkness from the soles of my feet through every part of my body just absolutely left and I was set free in a way that I cannot explain um you've heard people say to hold on to something or to unforgive somebody is like you drink and poison hoping they'll die have you heard that before yeah wait say that again so I can okay so it's like you drinking poison but hoping that the other person will die yes okay that's kind of what that was like I finally put the poison down that's what it was like. It was like I was not ingesting the poison anymore, and it had no power over me ever again. The nightmares quit. The flashes in my mind quit. Um, you know, I mean, there there were times, and there are times once in a while, like if a movie's on, and I'm very careful about what I watch because I just don't want certain things in there. But I remember my husband watching this movie one time, and I think it was The Butterfly Effect um, with uh, Ashton Kusher. Yeah. And... Um, there was this part where they, he's having these children do porn. And for some reason... Ashton Kutcher made girls do porn? And- no, 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 no. The movie, it was him flashbacking when he was a child. Oh, okay, yeah. I and was just um, like, I no, can't no, he was no, no, like that. No, he... And My he, precious Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, no, okay. no. <laughs> Gosh, now I'm going to feel bad if that's not even the movie. People would be like, No, I so think it is. Now. No, I... Because... I kind of remember that. But the, and, yeah. and he was like, you're a bad boy. You're a bad boy. And it was like he snapped back. And, you know, because he could yeah, like. It was like a He could flashback. like black himself out of his situations that were really horrific, which I think a lot of us can do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, it was that part of the movie. And I absolutely had a meltdown. Oh, my god! And I was just like turn this garbage off get it out of my house and I mean I flipped out I'm like what are you watching you know and I was like I I mean I went like off and and that's why yeah now no it's like comedies 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 (laughs) (laughs) comedies happy shows Hallmark you know yeah right Hallmark there you go my daughter's like she's like mom she was like you really gotta stop watching these romantic comedies with with Caius because he's got way too much passion kissing going on and I'm like good you know (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome Caius's wife in the future right 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 (laughs) so then trying to think where so the forgiveness aspect I mean that is that that whole thing is just it just shows that so much of all that's passed on like when someone like rapes someone yeah and someone is on the receiving end of that and you know like there's just so many demonic things happening oh my gosh yeah even above what's actually happening because to to and the, the point made is is that you have to forgive them in order for you to be free yeah. it just is so beyond our even mind like yeah what it's like it to, to really put words to it is like so you're telling me i was raped i forgive them and i'm released of something i didn't even do to myself right and like that's crazy? that's what makes it so like forgiveness just so is there's just so much out there like call it energy call it vibes whatever that is but like there's so much more beyond us it is. Yeah. that we have to exist with. Yeah. And you carrying around that darkness that was put onto you. Isn't that crazy? And then you feeling such freedom for giving that. I mean, to me, it's like, how, where does that come from? I mean, if, if not believing, if you don't believe in God, then it's like, how, yeah, where, what do you but, do? But what do you yeah. do? Because how do you get so free of that? Yeah. There's only so much counseling, so much mm-hmm. talking, so much this and that and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing you need something supernatural to free you from this 
Absolutely. Clearly. For Absolutely. you to be able to, I mean, for, I dropped water. Um, <laughs> that's it. I want you to have a timeout, young I lady. I water. <laughs> um, for you to be able to be sitting on this couch where you are today. Mm-hmm. And, and even in the mix of super hard struggle. Oh, being yeah. in love with a man that and I'm is moving not gonna, on Saturday. She's moving on Saturday <laughs> after only living there since November. I mean, and you're so and you have a smile on your face, yeah. and you're just like radiant. It's like there is no describing that. <laughs> like I just am like, what? You know, I think a part of it is because God has had this dream in my heart for such a long time. And oh, I wish I could remember. I want to say it's either Colossians or Galatians. And it talks They're both about. both really good books. All of them are good books. <laughs> Some amazing. of them. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I know. You You're mean. probably talking about Revelation. Can well, I freak you out a little? Yeah, I it's all right. It's all right. We win. <laughs> no. Yeah, right. We win in but, the end. Yeah. But um, it's, it's talking about how God, when he encouraged us, that it's it, it says something to the effect of, you will encourage other people just as I have encouraged you. Well, the horseback ministry that I, that I started in 2010, um, it was so funny because I'm like, God, what is this? What is this? And it's Rock and Sevens Horseback Ministry, encouragement to ride through life's storms. Okay, God used a horse for me. I have these horses that came to me, you know, and it was like, I remember like God's got some kind of an economy issue. And I'm like, God, if you could just give me a black and white horse, I'll pretend like it's a gypsy vanner, you know, because gypsy vanners are known as being expensive horses. Okay. Well, sure enough, here comes this little two-year-old black and white gypsy vanner named Stormy that God gave me. And I'm kind of like, oh, you are so funny. <laughs> oh my God. So it was Stormy and Copper Girl and uh, Lady Jane and Aurora. And then Copper Girl surprised me with a little cold, you you know, and Aww. so I named him Tatalestai, and it's like, you know, God has used these horses, and just like yesterday, um, is the first time I got on my gelding in a year, and I had no idea how much fear all of this stuff has actually caused in me, and the, this, these two beautiful women came out to ride my horses, and just kind of just fellowship and just talk and love on each other and she was like you get up there and I'm like oh no she was like Dawn you don't ride your own horses and I said well I haven't since fall you know basically when my husband left and I was like and she was like why what's going on in there and she's also um came out of a, a really hard marriage and it took her she said three years to survive from that and I'm like oh I don't want to do I this for two more yeah, years that's you know like yeah but um, no one likes to think about it like that no but you do you go through a process of mourning mm -hmm. yeah and it's that's, grief yeah it's it is grief. It's total grief grief and that's I'm seeing a Christian counselor right now that's really helping me get through some of this stuff and she's explaining it to me and she was talking about fear and I'm like well I'm not fearful I'm not fearful until I somebody said ride your own horse I was actually by the time I got up on him and sat on him I almost passed out I was breathing really hard and I was shaking and I was like don't move him don't move him don't move him and I was like whoa and I'm like how could I be this afraid where did this come yeah, from yeah because you're like horse person yeah yeah and I was That's, absolutely you text me that last terrified. night you're like I got up on a horse and I was just yeah. like I don't just, you own horses? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> is it your whole life? Like, I was yeah. like, well, maybe she had like a back surgery or something. No. Like, no, just, just, just from this whole thing, a you know, right? Yeah. It, it has de debilitated you de more so than I realized. And wow. then my daughter, when I got wow. off, she was just like, "Mom, you're glowing," and I was Aww. like, "I feel so good." And she was like, "She was like, you needed to do that." And do you know what the lady said that was visiting? Because she was pony riding me because I was like, "Don't let go, don't let go, don't let go." Yeah. And she turned around and she said, "She said, Dawn, can I tell you something?" And I was like, "What?" And she goes, "That horse was so much more relaxed with you being on him than any of us." And I was like, what? And she goes, didn't you see he fell asleep while you sitting on his back? And it was like, boom, I'm good. And like, even today, I'm like, ooh, I think I'm going to go saddle him up and go for a ride. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm babysitting. I can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're like, it's like a new release. Yeah. One more release and one more hurdle. And, you know, that's why I think it's so important that the main thing is that just because you say yes to Christ, which 
I was under the assumption if I say yes to Jesus, my life would be perfect. I wouldn't have to face nothing anymore. I'd have the perfect marriage, the perfect house, the, you know, because nothing against a lot of the preachers that are on TV today, but they do make it sound like you can, you can speak it into existence and, you know, money will come to you. Houses will come to you. Cars will come to you. Life is good. You don't face anything because like I heard even one pastor say that, he took the scripture, um, you know, all these trials and troubles will come to you, but be of good cheer because I've overcome them. And so the way they make it sound is like you don't have to face anything. And if you are facing something and if you are going through something, something you're doing something wrong. Right. You're not speaking the right words. You're not believing the right way. Right. Well, you know, then to have my husband leave me. What did I do what did wrong? I do wrong? What, what am I doing? Why doesn't God love me anymore? Where, where did I go wrong? You know, and it's like, no, that's not, it's life. You know, we live in a fallen world. Yes, we're believers. That's why what's so awesome is we do go through these hard things. You know, look at Pastor Levi and Jenny. They, they lost a child. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that. Um, that's got to be the worst of the worst of the worst. And look at them. Look at when Pastor Levi goes up there, the love that flows through him when he preaches. Or when Pastor Jenny's up there the love that comes through them, you know, and there are good people out there that preach the word, but there's, it's so confusing. No wonder people say, well, there's conflict in the Bible and it, you know, it, it, it conflicts itself. No, it doesn't. People take things out of the Bible and conflict the word, you know, but there is no, the word is pure. The word is, is perfect. You need to read it yourself. Don't yeah. just sit in front of a TV and listen to some guy pump something into you. Read the word for yourself. Read lots of versions. You know, open them all up. I mean, I have an app I think has a hundred and some Bible verses. You know, um, uh, not verses. Oh, versions. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Ver- yeah. Yeah. Versions. Yeah. But you know, it's God. It's a one-on-one relationship with God, mm-hmm. and that's the light. That's the salt that's that's life that's the real thing that's why we're here you know that's the whole purpose of that and when you see oh yeah she is going through this horrible separation where you know they're they're talking about ending a 23 year long long marriage um yeah her her business is not at the level that you know she was so accustomed to or my finances in general you know having my husband step out of my life and you know losing that comfort and losing you know those things that made my life comfortable you know just having somebody be in bed with you at night knowing that you're safe if you know the boogeyman comes through the door at night you know that you're safe which (laughs) now I can shoot myself and I do pretty good you know (laughs) but you know I mean but I got God and so the last thing at night before I do I open up my Bible I talk with him I I sleep like a baby I'm comforted by him and 110 pound mastiff you know <laughs> yeah yeah 110 pound mastiff that's awesome yeah you know but yeah. I mean that's that's what this whole thing is about you know and if you can see me the way that I am now and knowing that I've gone through all of that that I'm going through stuff currently that my my stress level is maxed to the nth degree but I can still love you I can still give you a hug I still have laughter what other proof do you need that God's alive, sure. you know? Yeah, I I don't. <laughs> I mean, I just like, wow, like I just it's it's yeah, I just love that you are here and that you came to talk with us. I love you. And just just a bright light right here. Thank just you. a bright light. And I'm Thank you. and I'm so cool to hear about the horse part too because um I want to put that on somehow like your page tied to topical life when I post this because just opening the door to, you know, people looking into it. And I think it's so fascinating that you went through almost the therapy twice. Yeah. You got a horse for yourself that long time ago. Yeah. Went through that. Then you help these kids, teenagers and whoever comes the way. And then to go through another set of grief. Oh yeah. And for you to get back on that horse and experience, I mean, that was like, therapeutic yeah essentially yeah it's kind of a different right yeah you know and you're experiencing it your own yeah for sure for sure gift yeah for sure and like even like through christmas time and it being so hard you know the the biggest thing is going out there and and just 
grabbing a hold of a horse and smelling that mane, putting your nose into their neck and just getting that smell. Um, and it was so funny because I think it was this weekend at Fresh Life, Pastor Levi took a quote and I want to say, oh, don't I get it right. Who was it from? Um, it just, I just drew a blank, but it, the quote was, there is nothing better for the inside of a man than the outside of a horse. And I'm like, word, you know, yeah. that's so true, you know, cause God is amazing in what he does, you know, and, and this isn't just the end of this because there's been a dream in my heart ever since I said yes to God that I I've had this place in my heart. That's like a retreat center, a place where people can unplug from the world. They can get away from life. They can get alone with God, be loved on and encouraged by the folks that are there. And, you know, if they, if they do want to go out with the horses or they want to go on a camp or want to go for a walk, they can come there, they can unplug, get recharged up and go back out and do what God's created them to do. That's, that's the thing, you know, and I thought, you know, when my husband left, I thought, well, that's over. And then, you know, as God started resuscitating my life again and going, I'm, I didn't leave. I'm here. We're here. We're doing this. Come on, get up, dust yourself off. You've gotten up a thousand times before. Dust off, get back up, Dawn. You know, it's a new day. And I'm like, huh, that's why you named me Dawn, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, once new beginning time. again. <laughs> once up at a time, just get up. Yeah, just Boom. get up. Just and, get up. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. So that started to revive itself. And I'm like, yeah, God, let's do that. What better place than Flathead Valley of Montana? I was like, this is perfect place, you know? Yeah, So yeah. we'll see. We'll see what yeah. he's got planned right now. It's just, okay, wake up tomorrow and do tomorrow. You know, right yeah. now I have Right now today. you need to move. Yeah. You're moving. Yeah, and you're helping me right now. <laughs> Actually, headed back to Oregon here in about, you know, X yeah. hours. But yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Well, um, I think my battery is about to die over there. Sweet. Did it die? <laughs> but. Um, oh, it's oh, gone. It That's okay. That's okay because like we've got that. Okay. Well, all right. Well, um, this concludes um, this Topical Life episode live, but. Dawn, thank, thank you. you so much for coming to speak with us about your life, opening up to all of us, and um, you really are special. And I'm really looking forward to to following you, and hopefully I'll get to see you next time I'm here, you know? That would be awesome. Yeah. So, that would be super um, awesome. Anyway, thank you for coming. Thank you. I appreciate it. You've been listening to This Topical Life with Tiffany Murphy. Available through Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play. Look for us on Instagram and Facebook. Donations to help support this topical life can be made through Patreon at patreon.com front slash this topical life. Likes and comments are always appreciated. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time for more real conversation, real exploration, real life stories on this topical life. Because life ain't a vacation.